Welcome to another episode of Beery Interesting. I'm Paddy Gardner and we're going to do more tasting and chatting about a specific style of beer. I am once again in a hotel room somewhere in the world uh, recording on my little field recorder so the audio quality might not be quite as good as some previous episodes. So apologies for that. Um, but hopefully it'll get the idea across Um, and I'm quite excited because today we're talking about one of my favourite beer styles ever the American Pale Ale Um, a sort of vast, all-encompassing style um, really runs the gamut in terms of how people perceive it and interpret it and brew it Um, but of course today we're going to drink the most famous and influential APA of all time, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Um, So I've got a a fresh bottle of Sierra Nevada. There's one um, very good quote about Sierra Nevada Pale Ale that it's probably your favourite brewer's favourite beer. Um, this feels very much to me like a, a beer for the brewer, a beer for the long-time beer fan. Um, originally designed as a real connoisseur's product. Um, real longevity in this beer, in this brand, um, great heritage and history. Uh, so let's um, dive straight in. Um, Sierra Nevada Brewery was started by a guy called Ken Grossman in 1980. Um, in the mid and late 90s, Ken was running a homebrew store in Chico, California, um, while also working a day job most of the week as a bike mechanic in a bike shop. Um, push bikes that is, I believe Um, could be motorcycles, unsure and um, Ken was a very passionate home brewer which was unusual in America in the mid to late 70s as it was actually still illegal post-prohibition home winemaking was legalised but on a federal level Home brewing was actually still illegal and not legalized until 78, um, which is quite an unusual little bit of um, American law history. Um, the beer scene was pretty bleak at the time in the States um, in terms of domestic beer in the 1970s. 98% of all beer produced was American lager and American light lager, especially. 
your Coors Light, Miller Light, Bud Light, etc. And Ken, as an avid home brewer, wanted to demonstrate that American beer could be a craft product and could use American ingredients in a way that was um, high quality and um, indicative of, of the quality of the ingredients that were being produced in America. Um, the kind of latter half of the 20th century is when American hop production started to tick up and some of the more interesting hop varietals started being grown, especially in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so Ken, as a home brew shop owner, dealing with the raw ingredients, was very keen to explore the possibilities of these sort of up-and-coming American ingredients in a, in a brewing context. So um, in 1978, um, Ken decided to start up this brewery and kind of cobble together a 10-barrel brew system which he built himself out of random bits of dairy equipment. And, you know, the, the laudering ton was an old cheese vat. And um, the bottle filler was an old soda filler that he converted to be used for, for beer filling. He kind of welded all the fermenters himself, really cobbled together a little kit. Um, and the whole while that he was creating this brew kit, every week they were brewing a batch of pale ale on a little kind of home brew scale just to try and dial in the recipe and get the profile they wanted took them about 10 to 12 attempts to get the kind of recipe they were happy with um and once the brewery was up and running and they were brewing on this 10 barrel system took another 10 batches or so to get the recipe dialed in and scaled up to where it was tasting correct so there was probably 10 batches of sierra nevada pale ale that were dumped down the drain before um, finally they were happy for this this pale ale to be released to market. Um, it was using a brand new hop at the time, Cascade. Um, this is actually a Cascade single hopped beer. So the only hop used in this recipe is Cascade. Um, pioneered in the 1950s at Oregon State University um, as a, a, a crossbreed of a British Fuggle hop from um, the southeast of England with a Russian varietal, which is very unusual. Um, but the Russian varietal was used to try and breed in some um, uh, kind of sturdiness to the hop in terms of the actual agronomics of it. Um, grows quickly, grows well, harvests easily, resistant to mold and mildew, those kind of agronomic considerations. Um, so what you get is this sort of slightly higher alpha acid, higher bitterness um, hop, a sort of um, original American classic, if you will. Um, now we look at this as a, a fairly low alpha acid hop, not super aggressive, not super bitter, um, and more used for its aromatic potential, but at the time it was quite um, groundbreaking and quite um, aggressive in terms of its alpha acid content. Um, the oils in this hop give it a beautiful kind of grapefruit note, a little fresh cut grass, a little delicate kind of pine needle, young pine, not the kind of January 1st dried out Christmas tree, more like a fresh young pine tree. Um, and then this really light kind of spiciness, which is lovely. It's got like a marmalade character on the palate. Beautifully fresh, perfectly balanced, 
just one of my favourite beers of all time. Uh, the first ever American pale ale, though many have come since. Um, we've got the Stone Pale Ale, of course, from Greg Koch in San Diego. We've got the Great Lakes Burning River Pale. We've got the Left Hand uh, Jackman Pale Ale from the northeast of the country. Um, we've got the Firestone Pale Ale, again, from California. Um, all kind of riffing on the same idea. Um, different hops, slightly different malt bills, but the idea being that it's a sort of sessionable take on an English pale ale using American ingredients. Um, so, of course, English pale ales were being imported into England since the 1800s and were certainly being brewed domestically to an extent by um, European immigrant brewers, most of whom were German in America, hence the proclivity for lager in America historically. Um, but, I mean, um, around the Prohibition and post-Prohibition, brewing died off so much in the USA. Um, thousands and thousands of breweries before Prohibition in America and then dying off into the hundreds nationwide, which for a country of that size, size is very, very few. And the breweries that survived and, and um, sort of weathered the storm were the, the large commercial macro lager breweries. Hence why in the 1970s the beer scene was so bleak. Um, the kind of uh, legalization of home brewing at the end of the 1970s as well as some of the um, small brewery initiative and, and rejuvenation shown by people like Fritz Maytag in San Francisco with the Anchor Brewery, which we talked about in the California Common episode, um, proved to be the inf inspiration for the kind of um, birth of the craft beer movement at the end of the 20th century in America. And this beer was certainly one of the driving forces in that. Ken Grossman actually sought advice from Fritz Maytag before starting Sierra Nevada. Ken um, actually um, borrowed and used equipment from the Anchor Brewery when they sold it off. So he upgraded his um, old soda bottling line to an actual beer bottling line when Anchor Steam and Fritz Maytag sold him their old um, kit. So a real uh, sort of community spirit in the early growth of the craft beer movement there in California. Um, in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, this beer kicked off a lot of the, the British craft beer movement in the early noughties and the end of the 90s. Um, I think certainly beers like Oakham Citra and um, Dark Star Hophead, Thornbridge Jaipur, Brewdog Punk IPA uh, were probably all to some extent or another um, inspired by the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale um, for a lot of craft beer fans and brewers who came up through the, the noughties um, at the real birth of British craft beer. Um, Sierra Nevada was probably one of the, the real big, exciting, hoppy American beers that you could get your hands on and try. Um, so for a lot of people, this was certainly the, the epitome of a gateway beer, that sort of beer that proves to be the gateway into the world of well-crafted, flavorful, high-quality beers. Um, so just a really, really great heritage ale, so much history to it, um, such a great story and far too much for me to go into in a podcast as brief as this, but um, head to Sierra Nevada's website and have a read and, and check out the, the history of this beer that came up from Chico, California, using 
Cascade Hops for the first time commercially on a, on a big scale and as a kind of headline hop and all the exciting um, progress that came out of that then. APA more generally then um, is a sort of refreshing mid-strength American ale using American ingredients. Um, starting gravity tends to be, you know, 1045 to 1060 specific gravity. So generally these beers will range from four and a half to about 6% alcohol. Um, they range in color from a sort of golden, uh, light gold, you know, five SRM color into almost amber. So 14 SRM being the top range of color. And that's kind of New Belgium fat tire color, coppery, almost bronze. Um, the difference being the American pale ales of that color should be a bit lighter in flavor, less caramel character, lighter in body, and more finishing hops than the American amber ales. So if you ever have a dark American pale, it, it shouldn't really be comparable to an American amber just because of the hopping rates and the the malt character and the body of the beer. Um, it should be fairly bitter, uh, 30 to 45 IBU. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale specifically clocks in at 38 bitterness units. Um, and this kind of proved the, um, the benchmark for a lot of early uh, British craft beers. Uh, certainly the kind of sweet spot of 5.6% alcohol and 38 IBUs is um, where a lot of British brewers started when they were um, formulating the, the very early uh, British craft beers and um, very much inspired by Sierra Nevada Pale specifically. Um, the beer in my glass then, Sierra Nevada, has a beautiful clarity to it actually. It's, um, it's really clear, so kind of what we call a West Coast style makes a lot of sense since it originated from the 80s in Chico, California, um, but very much in the West Coast style, so beautifully clear with a really beautiful, stable, long-lasting, off-white head um, with a beautiful kind of um, mix of small and large bubbles, a really just complex and, and well-crafted foam. One of the real signs of a well-crafted beer is the well-crafted foam. So um, I appreciate the foam on this beer. Um, the color is probably about 7SRM for the nerds, um, for the normal people. It's a sort of um, deep gold, almost leaning into copper color from the use of caramel malt. Um, it's about 90% pale malt with about eight to 10% uh, crystal malt or, or pale caramel malt, um, which gives that sort of slight coppery color and gives a subtle biscuity note into the, the palate. Um, it smells just classic and sensationally good. Um, all that beautiful aroma from one hop um, Cascade, named actually for the Cascade Mountains, which run from Northern California up into Canada, all the way up to British Columbia. Um, and we've since named styles of beer, whole styles of beer after that mountain range, like the, the Cascadian Dark Ale, for example, or the Black IPA. Um, so this really um, sort of evocative imagery of, of the Cascade Mountains and the Pacific Northwest and that whole Pacific coast of America leading up into Canada. Um, where this beautiful hop um, comes from, specifically in Oregon State. Um, but the aroma is, again, pine, kind of lemon zest, just the very outer skin of a grapefruit, um, 
like a grapefruit twist on a cocktail, um, but no no kind of pithiness, nothing aggressive, just a really subtle, oily kind of citrus character, which is really delicate and, and sweet actually on the nose, which is very nice. There is a little kind of leafy vegetal note, um, like when you're walking through um, some vegetation after it's recently rained and you can kind of smell the damp leaves and the damp trees and that subtle sort of resinous character of the trees around you. It's very much in the profile of this beer. And then there's a real subtle kind of digestive biscuit note coming up from, from the malt base. Um, it's not really caramelly, it's not really toasty or chewy, it's just this sort of subtle, um, uh, grainy, sweet um, digestive biscuit character. There's no other way to describe it than that. The palate then. It's sort of medium bodied in the mouth. Um, it's not super heavy, it's not super light, just well balanced, nicely carbonated. Um, but sort of soft, finishes quite soft and, and smooth and refreshing, really dry, um, but also so balanced. It, it's kind of, it covers all the bases. It just really makes you want to drink more of it, um, which is the sign of a beautifully made beer. If um, as soon as you finish a mouthful, you kind of think, God, I need to have another sip of that. Um, to me, this beer is very firmly in that camp. Um, more sweetness on the palate, that's sort of digestive biscuit creeping back in with a little sort of um, toffee apple, red apple with that sort of crunchy caramel coating. More of those beautifully aromatic cascade hops. So a really sort of smooth and balanced and refined bitterness, almost like the noble hop bitterness that you get in a really well-made German Pilsner. Um, the bitterness is so smooth with great length. It kind of... Um, rinses the malt character off your mouth and says, I'm here, I'm Cascade. Um, that sort of beautifully refined bitterness um, with this lovely balance of grapefruit, pine, grass. Um, yeah, just stunning. Um, the um, caramel malt on the palate with the citrus of the Cascade almost gives this like marmalade on toast kind of vibe. It's just absolutely mouth-watering. It's very, very hard not to just absolutely chug this beer because it's just so good. Anyway, I'll um, I'll rein it back, shall I? Uh, let's talk a little bit about beer pairing. Um, American Pale Ale is such a versatile beer to have with food. Um, it works so well with so many things, partly just because it's such a balanced beer. It's not overly intense. Um, it's not very high bitterness. It's not very high alcohol. It's not overly malty or hoppy. It's all about the drinkability and the balance. And that means it works so well uh, with so many dishes. Specifically for me, I love APA with um, cheese. I think if you're doing a cheese board, um, a bottle of Sierra Nevada is hard to go wrong with, with several cheeses. Specifically, I like it with uh, cheddars. I think harking back to the origins of this as, a, as an imported English pale ale, which then focused more on American ingredients rather than British ingredients. Um, it makes sense to have this with English-style cheddars, something um, less chalky and crumbly and more leaning into a sort of creamy and fruity mild cheddar. Um, 
a bit of age is is not a bad thing. Um, I would certainly have a, a Sierra Nevada pale with a Lycross vintage cheddar or a Snowdonian black bomber or something like that. Um, and I, I think it has the hop character and the uh, intensity of flavor to stand up to stronger cheddars like a, a Cornish cruncher or something like that or um, or a, a, a Somerset cheddar like a Westcombe, a Montgomery, um, any of those kind of really um, chewy, rich um, cheddars, I think work really well with this. Um, especially if you're going to pair it up with fresh fruit, um, grapes, figs, anything like that. The fruitiness of the hops is going to bounce beautifully off those uh, foils to the cheese. I would also recommend trying it with um, any cheese with a, a little bit more um, subtle character, like a red Leicester perhaps. Um, I think APA works beautifully with any fruited cheeses like uh, Wensleydale. Um, it's just really versatile, works so well with so many things. The kind of subtle malt character um, really resonating with um, the kind of crackers and biscuits that you might have with a cheese board as well. So there's a couple of layers of um, fantasticness there to tap into with a, an APA and a cheese board. Outside of the cheese course, I would say um, this beer really um, has the strength to go with big American dishes like a cheeseburger and fries. Equally, it could um, work with Tex-Mex, um, the kind of uh, subtle um, floral citrus character you get with fresh coriander or cilantro um, makes so much sense with Cascade as a hop. They share so many of those kind of linalol and citronellol oils. Um, the fresh Cascade and fresh coriander are uh, kind of in the same camp in my head. Um, so if you were going to have some beautiful whitefish tacos with fresh coriander and lime um, on a, a fresh crispy corn tortilla, I think that would be a beautiful choice with Sierra Nevada pale or any of the West Coast pales, as long as they're not overly hoppy. Um, with a sort of salty fish dish like that, I think you want to be careful about bitterness and how um, hot bitterness is going to possibly um, dominate the more subtle characteristics of a dish like a fish taco. Um, but as long as it's something with a fairly restrained bitterness, say less than 45 IBU, um, something like a Sierra Nevada, um, I think it's got just enough to, to stand up to the saltiness, the fattiness of the fish, um, but subtle enough to kind of balance the, the coriander, the lime, um, some of the subtle spice of the cascade as well will work with some of those warming spices like cumin, um, just, just a really beautiful pairing with lots of resonance and really balanced intensity. can also work with um, a couple of different interesting desserts. Um, I think one of the most unusual that I've encountered would be uh, an American pale ale with banoffee pie. Um, the kind of biscuit base with the uh, biscuit base of the beer and the uh, dessert is um, just, just makes a lot of sense. Um, and then the sort of very sweet banana and um, condensed milk filling of the pie um, is, is really cut through by the uh, carbonation and the bitterness from the hops in a way that isn't aggressive or domineering. Um, it just creates balance in the pairing. Um, 
you know, the Bonoffi pie brings out some more sweetness from the malt bill of the beer, the bitterness from the hops balance the condensed milk, the fruit from the banana pulls out esters from the fermentation that you wouldn't ordinarily notice, especially in a beer with, with a notoriously clean yeast character. Um, that sort of Chico strain of yeast from California is really, really neutral, um, but it's nice to pair it with something fruity as it, it sometimes teases uh, fruit notes and, and esters out of the beer that you wouldn't otherwise um, notice, which is really fun. Um, I think also it can work really well with light salads, grilled chicken dishes, a Caesar with uh, an American pale ale is a fabulous choice. Um, I think fresh grilled fish is a really, really good move as well. Um, and I think it also has an interesting um, sort of harmonious um, relationship with a lot of German beer foods. So in the same way that a, a Malti Merzen or a, a sort of bready Hellas uh, rely on a certain degree of hop character to balance them as a beer and they, they are all about drinkability. American Pale Ale has that real drinkability and real balance. Um, so if you want to put an interesting twist on bratwursts or uh, a freshly baked pretzel, try them with uh, Sierra Nevada Pale instead of with your standard Hellas or Merzen Lager and see how you enjoy it. I think it puts a really interesting spin on things and um, kind of freshens up the, the approach to those classic German beer whole foods. That's pretty much all I've got for today on American Pale Ale. Um, I could talk about it all day, to be honest, and if you see me out and about, um, let's grab a Sierra Nevada and I, I will talk your ear off about it. In the meantime, um, enjoy your APA whether it be a more modern New England style hazy APA, uh, whether it be super hoppy, whether it be more kind of traditional West or East Coast led by caramel malts, and um, whatever kind of APA you're drinking, enjoy it. Um, some of the most refreshing and drinkable beers um, of the last 40 years in my mind. Um, and uh, just appreciate the, the sheer quality and drinkability and craftsmanship that goes into making these delicious balanced beers. Uh, hopefully that's been very interesting and hopefully my hotel audio quality is not too jarring on the ears. Um, there may very well be another episode from this hotel room so if you have any uh, requests for specific styles um, fire me a message on Instagram at Paddy Gardner or uh, fire an email over to beeryinteresting at gmail.com and I'll certainly tackle any style that you fancy in the next episode until then look after yourself um, enjoy the beer and cheers